0: Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance.
1: This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. The Indy 500 has always been the most special race, probably to my, my dad. I just remember as a kid, him always, you know, someday if you get the opportunity, like you really need to try and run the D500. So, I feel like I've had to be really patient with it and, and thankfully you know, the patience has paid off where I feel like I'm in the best possible opportunity to uh, you know, go chase an, an Indy 500. A good run at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. If we all believe that it was successful and we want more of it, I would love to do it again. I, I've always said I don't want to compete in the Indy 500 just to say that I've competed in the Indy 500. I want to compete to win. I want to win. I think four cars is the right number for the Indianapolis 500. and. We don't want to have any compromise and put our best foot forward. Getting to run an Indy car in and in a cup car in the same same day and night is going to be two polar opposite types of vehicles, and, and I, I enjoy a challenge.
0: While we gear up for the start of the 2023 season, it's already underway, by the way, after the Chili Bowl last weekend, but 2024 has gotten started with Kyle Larson's planned entry for the 2024 indianapolis 500 some comments from kyle there to get us started today we receive confirmation of two-time indy 500 winner takuma sato joining the defending winning team chip ganassi racing for the 500 and the other ovals one more full-time seat has been confirmed and the last could be within a week so now we're just about ready to go in 23 hello welcome thanks for joining us on a one hour edition, speed fest of the program tonight. We got a lot of things to get to in the hour that we have. Uh, before I forget, also an hour next week and a night earlier, next week, Monday night, the 23rd from eight until nine. Make a note of that. I'm telling the, the host and the producer of the program as well. That's Kurt Cavan. Josh Molinix in our studios. I'm Kevin Lee. Larry Floyd will join us later on in the show. He kind of started a little theme that we want to visit with someone from each team before the season gets started so we started with ray hall letterman Lanigan racing with uh their newest employee steve erickson from last week and and now we have the president of aj Foyt racing and they've got some changes that we can talk about coming up in a little bit with Larry Foyt. we got more racing this weekend with the Rolex 24 getting started with about half of the IndyCar field. We'll go down that list maybe next week on the show. But the roar is this weekend, and it's cool. If you have a reason to be in Florida, you might look into that. There's fantastic access. It's a great chance to have up-close and personal meetings with race car drivers and race cars as well. We will have some yeah, is it television coverage? It's coverage. It's, it's the new world and television coverage sometimes now is digital. So we'll be on Peacock for qualifying. There is not a qualifying race this year in part because, hey, they've got a lot of new cars and they've got a, a parts supply. So they couldn't afford to uh, crash any of those LMDH cars and have spares for the race. So they're just going to qualify on Sunday and we'll air that on Peacock from 120 until three o'clock. So I'll be headed down this weekend and then back for the following weekend as well. Uh, let's get into it, Kurt, though. They did a very nice job of keeping this on the down low. Um, I don't think a lot of media people, maybe some in the NASCAR world did. My first tip from one of my sources in, in the NASCAR world came the day before. That, that often gives me some really good information, and they were led to believe it was for 2023. It is indeed for 2024. Kyle Larson is going to join Errol McLaren in a co-entry with Rick Hendrick, sponsored by HendrickCars.com, in an extra car for the Indianapolis 500.
2: Well, it's exciting on many fronts, uh, not the least of which is You know, a superstar of his caliber competing in the Indy 500. You know, that's cool. Uh, we've been, we've been thinking about Kyle Larson for a long time because of his open wheel background in sprint cars and, and as a midget racer. You know, he lived, he lived in Indianapolis for a couple of years as he was on the USAC trail and racing across, uh, many of the different tracks, uh, that short track racers can compete on in the midwest so he's been a part of the fabric of the community uh he he knows what this is about he's had a taste of it by being around and you know by living in indianapolis and you know and then of course racing not only in the brickyard 400 and the road race uh that is at indianapolis motor speedway but also competing and winning Uh, the BC 39 midget race inside turn three on the dirt track at IMS. So, you know, he certainly has all the, all the qualifications from a competitive standpoint, from a human interest standpoint. And I think it's really interesting that Errol McLaren is going to be uh, one of the top teams. Uh, He could not have landed with a much better organization. So he's going to be competitive. We're going to find out over the next, you know, probably months, what this looks like for preparation, uh, whether it be on track or in a simulator, he's going to have the right tools uh, in advance of getting in a race car for the first time. That'll let him test at some point. Probably do the do a fall rookie orientation program, as Romain Grosjean and Jimmy Johnson did in twenty 2020, twenty what twenty twenty one, so in preparation for their rookie rides in an Indy car at the five hundred. So it's just it it just adds up on so many levels that this is a natural thing to do. He's going to be in a good car. It's going to be an exciting event in 2024, and you know he's going to get to do it right. One of the elements that that is going to be important for him is that Chevrolet has just built. Uh, that's the manufacturer he'll drive for. Has just built a new tech center in Charlotte, and it's really in Concord, uh, North Carolina, which is literally right around the corner from Hendrick Motorsports. Uh So he will be able to work with uh the engineering staff to get in their simulator that they'll have there. And he'll be part of the GM program, not only as an NASCAR driver, but as an IndyCar driver. And so that that will be very beneficial to him. And I think he will come even far more prepared than Fernando Alonso did. Uh, when he came here in 2017, so I'll add it all up, it's exciting news and it'll be great for next year's Indy 500, less than 500,
0: 500 days now from that event. And that goes back to the debate that we've had before that what, what driver background equips you more for this. Fernando Alonso didn't do ovals, but my contention was he knew high downforce cars, great race car driver. There are fast corners, in Formula One as well, great drivers like that, like Mansell and others that we've seen over the years typically tend to adjust. Larson knows ovals, knows the track, um, has driven some downforce cars. He's done the Rolex 24, so he gets that a little bit. Probably just comes down to a great race car driver is a great race car driver and. Either one will figure it out. I I still think the formula car road racing background still applies more, but I have no doubt that Kyle Larson is going to be fine in this because he is a a great race car driver. This has been talked about for a long time. So recently, the deterrent seemed to be Rick Hendrick wasn't super keen on it. Before, I think the deterrent was Kyle Larson. Uh, Understandably, lost a little bit of enthusiasm with – some other on-track incidents in IndyCar. And I think he has admitted to that a little bit, but he was with Ganassi Racing. So there was a pathway there. It wasn't, you know, just snap your fingers and do it. Somebody still has to pay for it. But I think he lost the enthusiasm for a while, got it back. And I believe that Jeff Gordon has a lot to do with this happening. I am told that Jeff wants to be there involved in some capacity as much as anyone else. And he's and I think Kyle even mentioned that in the call that, you know, he's he had had that conversation with Rick Hendrick. And then he's kind of put Jeff in charge of making sure that someone other than me is in Mr. Hendrick's ear to get this going. So um I, I think that is one of the reasons this get got done another thing you know honestly with what happened with kyle and why he lost the ganassi ride was a bit of a deterrent so i'd said this before and i'm not getting in the judging or what's right and what's wrong but if you want to find a sponsor for kyle larson you're going to a company they're going to do a google search and some companies are going to google search kyle larson's name and say you know i'm sorry i don't has nothing to do with whether we like him or not or believe him. We cannot be associated with this Google search. So that eliminates some potential sponsors. And that's exactly what Rick Henrik did to get him back into NASCAR and said, fine, I'll sponsor him. HenrikCars.com, and they do this for that. So that solves an issue there. And the further he gets away from that and the more work he does to show who I think a lot of people believe he really is, then that will be further and further in the background.
2: Well, look, I think we all understand second chance, second chances and and there's also a and I'm not judging or asking people to to make uh calls on this on on Kyle's behalf, but I also think there's a there's a time period at which we can let things go. I mean, we should, I don't
0: agree with it. But the Google search is strong. And when you get marketing absolutely. people in there, they're just going to say, we cannot take that risk. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong. We're not even getting into judging. We're just saying we're not involved. A- absolutely. I think the other thing with Kyle is he's
2: accomplished in NASCAR what, what he wanted to accomplish, and that's to win a championship. And so, you know, that may be uh, part of the the renewed focus or the ability to focus on something else. And, you, you know, you I think you ultimately hit it on the head. Jeff Gordon's got a lot to do with this. I think Jeff was in his ear as much as Kyle might have been in Jeff's ear. And, you know, so then when they go to Rick Hendrick, it was surprisingly, Rick was like, yeah, let's if you want to do it, let's do it. And I think that's the surprising element of the whole thing, maybe even more so than the announcement itself. Is that that Rick was totally on board? You know, and I kind of go back to uh, years ago when we saw, uh, you know, Richard Petty kind of get more involved with the Indy Five Hundred for a period. Richard Childress had a dip your toes into the Indy Five Hundred, and I think it was the humbleness at which uh, Rick spoke about and reverence of the Indianapolis Five Hundred that is that still shows that it resonates in motor racing and and uh, athletics across the globe. That, you know, a guy who's been as successful in stock car racing and is devoted to stock car racing as Rick Hendrick has been, uh, you know, just says, I always wanted to be in the Indy 500. You know, it's I, it's 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 really cool to hear a, hear a guy like that say that. And, you know, you hear it from, from guys like Alonzo and, and Kyle Larson now. And, of course, Jeff Gordon feels this way. The other thing I think that was interesting is that Kyle said his dad was always such a big proponent of doing the Indianapolis 500. And so I think Kyle, you know, while he might have put up a good front, uh, always had it in kind of what he's grown up with is that the 500 was a very big deal and maybe the biggest deal in all of motorsports. And eventually once he had a championship and other things kind of came and went uh, that he would do the race. And now he's got a perfect opportunity.
0: And for Henrik. Yes, it's the cool factor that he gets to be a participant in the Indy 500, but it's also a good business decision. When you think about it for HendrickCars.com, this is 300,000 people in live attendance and whatever, five-ish million watching on television. And that car is going to get a lot of attention, not only that day, but the entire month. Well, actually, for 15 months. The driver and the connection will get attention. So this is going to be, I think when you're talking advertising dollars and, and the budget, you know, a million and a half or so, if he's paying the full freight on that, um, that is going to, I think, be from the advertising world, a pretty good return on investment for him. And how, how about Kyle saying and tweeting out uh, in his little video he did something along the lines of I'm looking forward to running the biggest race of my life. Yeah, How do you think that went over down south?
2: That's uh, very cool. And, and you know, the other thing is he's going to get more attention in NASCAR because of this as well. Yes. I mean, it won't just be here. I mean, they will throughout not only the Coca-Cola 600, but the events leading up to uh, yep. that weekend, they're going to be talking about Kyle running this race. And, and you know, he's kind of reached he, – he, obviously, he's a superstar in stock car racing, but he had also kind of reached a point where – what else is he gonna say? You know, he's a race contending driver. He's a champion, but so is Chase Elliott. You it's know, good to have a new narrative, he's got a new narrative, and uh, I think they'll be talking about him in the in the NASCAR world for you know all of month of May. What Kyle's going to be doing? I think they'll they'll show it on the on the broadcast. They'll give a timeline of his activities. You know, the, all the shows that that NASCAR fans watch. Are going to have a Kyle Larson segment through the month of May. This is what Kyle did at Indy today, and and they'll have their own crews on site. So you're going to have a, a just a double a double amount of motorsports coverage.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
0: So Ben Neal tweeted this question to me the other day, and it was a retweet of um, High Limit Racing, which is that is that a, a short track series that I think Kyle is involved in now. And they sent out a tweet, and unforeseen scheduling conflict has caused us to move the High Limit season opener at Thunderbolt Raceway to March 21st, thankful to all parties for making the change to ensure Kyle – can compete and support the and And Ben's question was, you know, noting to ensure Kyle can race, the original race was scheduled for 3.28, which happens to be the Tuesday prior to the IndyCar Texas race. Anyone else see the dots connecting? Sounds like a possible test date. You know, I wouldn't automatically go that far because someone like Kyle Larson has a lot of things going on. It could have been another sponsor appearance he has to do, or maybe they needed to do SIM time, for the NASCAR program, but it's possible. And it just leads into, um, I don't know what that testing program is. I would hope that he gets a chance to just ease into it on an empty track at Texas and something like the week of would maybe make some sense. Would he potentially be allowed to be involved uh, at the April? It's either 20th and 21st or 21st and 22nd, but there's a late April open IMS test this year would they let him go out uh, hopefully the first time in like a rookie orientation session closed track um to everyone else to then so so the point is i hope they can figure out a way to uh, ensure him or anyone else new to the sport if you're willing to pay for a test we'll get you some test time
2: well look i i could argue and and understand the the possible concerns of of say him testing at Texas before the IndyCar series race, because that's a team that will be competing at Texas and to give him extra time and them extra time, while it, it is not
0: exactly preparation. Is, is Kyle Larson going to learn anything. That I, helps I, the rest I of the
2: get team? it, but that's not yeah. the way other competitors. Look I know. At it.
0: Things. Well, they, they should move on from that,
2: <laughs> but I can tell you this. I can promise you this IndyCar And we've seen this going back to pre-Alonzo days, have made it very clear. Jay Fry has been adamant about this, that, that the series needs to get, you know, be inclusive. It needs to have, you know, drivers understand they'll have the proper amount of testing, the proper amount of assistance, whether that's just, you know, whatever it is, however it defines being prepared. IndyCar and the teams will do what it takes to get these guys prepared. And so he will be prepared. And, and I think when he races on Memorial Day weekend in 2024, he's going to feel ready to compete in that race. Now, again, does he do it in advance of the Texas race? Is he part of, of any other testing sessions? Those are, those are just details, but he will have plenty of t- track time to get acclimated and be ready. Uh, for the 2024 race. So one thing I can also mention about, you mentioned the having a day at, at IMS uh, in April when IndyCar does its open test. I asked Zach Brown of McLaren, I said, did you give any consideration to 2023? And does it, you know, is five cars too much? Because they're already committed to four cars. And he said, yeah, the five cars was not something we were capable of doing. So the thought that that Aero McLaren would prepare a car for Kyle at that test, that seems too much. They've got to get the other four cars ready to go for that test. And their focus needs to be on those four cars in preparation for this year's Indy 500.
0: That makes sense. So That would lead you to believe that maybe doing something at Texas on a day when no one else is driving sure. one of those cars might be a little easier done. So. We'll stand by for that. So with that said, have they already given away Tony Kanon's seat? I feel bad for the guy who finished third in last year's Indy 500. Now, I would say this, because I know that's a question that's out there. Does this mean that, that Kanon is done after this year? No. No, if he finishes third again, or fifth, or eighth, or whatever, and wants to continue, someone is giving Tony Kanon a ride because, one, he's really good, and, two, he's connected to, to partners that can help uh finance the thing and then i would not rule him out continuing with errol mclaren they with, with advance notice they can run five cars sure. i think i think they probably will run five cars next year i think it's already been floated by zach brown that we might do four full-time cars part of that might be is that we don't want to make felix rosenquist be a lame duck all year to know there's no hope of him continuing i think that's been thrown out there that hey if felix makes another little step forward, then, yeah, we'll run four full-time cars when Alex Pillow comes on board, which they can't say yet at this point. So, uh, you know, if Rosenquist is a fourth full-time, Larson is a fifth, eh, that probably makes it tough to do six. But if they decide they stay at three full-time with a fourth, I think it's possible. But the point being, if Kanon does what Kanan always does – I think he'll race in 2024 in the Indy 500 if he wants to. So uh we won't worry about that too much yet at this point. Meanwhile, how about the 2023 Indianapolis 500? And a two-time winner has a seat uh that we thought was happening in December and started to wonder a little bit as time went on with no announcement, but it's all done. Takuma Sato in the ovals, Marcus Armstrong, the rookie on the road courses, in a car that can win the race. Yeah, I think that's super cool and
2: and I think you could make the argument. I'm thinking back to 2017 before I make this statement, but I think you could argue this is Takuma Sato's best opportunity to win the Indy 500 and he pretty easily could be a four-time winner right now. That's how good he has been at the Speedway. He's won twice. Uh he crashes with Dario Franchitti in turn or crashed trying to pass Dario for the lead on the last lap in, in, uh, 2012. And then another year he finished his third in what, what really was a a split bang, bang Indy 500 finish with three cars, you know, within a second of each other. So he's, he's got, he's had great runs. Uh, I'm actually going to be speaking to him yet later tonight, uh, for, uh, uh, a store on IndyCard.com. The time difference didn't allow him to be on the show tonight, but uh, you know, he's, he's in Japan and it's, it's going to be such a interesting dilemma or situation for him in that. He's just going to be focused on the ovals. He's going to share that ride with Marcus Armstrong who will run the road and street circuits. But as we've talked about for weeks on this show, the opportunity with Ganassi on the ovals was probably a better option than some opportunities he might have full season. I mean, he's got a chance to, to go win really any of these races that he competes on and particularly the Indianapolis 500. To me, he, and, and I know you disagree a little bit, but I think he's one of the, maybe the three favorites to, to win again. Uh, he'll be in a great car as we saw from the Ganassi team in 2022. And his experience and and his uh, his go for it mentality, I think, puts him in that sh- very short group of guys that could win it. The only thing is, he might be third or fourth on his own team. That may be yeah. the one argument. But he's if you tough. take if you take the 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 Ganassi cars out of the equation, I think he's in the top three to win the race. If you take the
0: Ganassi cars out of the equation, if you take his teammates, put put well, them aside. Yeah. Okay, no, I, yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, if outside, I mean, obviously Dixon and Erickson and Polo are going to be right there with him.
0: I'm not looking at it right now, but no, I think that's right. Because I think last year, the Ganassi cars were one, two, three, four, basically. So, yes, if you take the teammates out of it, you're probably in the top three. And, you know, we don't know. Penske has not been Penske. Will will they be what they've been in the past? Um, So certainly he's a factor. In, in all of that at this point. Um, so he, here is another situation. I'm wondering if Dale Coyne is going to revisit how he does things, because he said Takuma is coming back, but he obviously didn't have it signed. And I remember he said that at least once or twice before, was Ed Jones one of them? The, Ed was going to return and ended up in a Ganassi car because the late opportunity came around. Uh, so one... There's advantages both ways. By not signing someone officially, you have the resort to, the right to change your mind if budget falls through, something unforeseen happens. But when you don't sign them, when a new opportunity arises, then you might lose them. And in this case, at the time, last October, I believe Ganassi was true in their intent that we want one driver for – every race and the the Sato situation only became an option when they found we can't find anybody we like that has or maybe they couldn't find anybody at all, but we certainly don't have anybody that we like that can bring the budget to do every single race so we're gonna have to split it and hey takuma, here you go. So when that became available and the other option he wasn't even apparently going to be a full-time uh, in a full-time situation for coin, That became a pretty easy decision for Sato. So, should Dale Coyne reconsider how he does things? Does this hurt things for him that he loses a two-time Indy 500 winner and the budget that comes with him?
2: Yeah, obviously we don't know what the budget looks like. There's been talk that it's it's uh, less than it's been in the past uh, with Sato, but you know I get what you're going for with uh, with Dale Coyne and the decision making. I think you know. Perhaps Takuma needed, felt like he needed to look around as well. So it always kind of is a two way street. You you want to know what your options are, and and uh, as you go through the negotiation process, and and teams are quick to get rid of drivers, and drivers apparently sure. can get rid of teams.
0: And also, probably should be pointed out, Dale Coyne may have been asking for a signature for quite some time, and Takuma being a, a savvy veteran and and his management team, Steve Yusick has been with him for a long long time and knows what he's doing, might have decided, you know what? Uh that we have budget, that option is probably going to remain, let's just wait and make sure there isn't something that we feel we need to take. Um so I'm just kind of throwing that out hypothetically as far as Dale is concerned because I think there's also an advantage by not signing someone that, you know, what if you lose one of your other partners? What if in Dale's case, what if one of his businesses takes a downturn the economy hurts and he's, ah, uh, you know, I, cause we know he has funded out of his pocket or his other businesses, a lot of this Indy car deal for a long time. So that would leave him the option to, yeah, if my business goes bad, I can't write the check for this. I need a driver that comes with the full check, uh, which is one of the great things about Dale Coyne. He has helped drivers on less than a full budget, get their start in IndyCar. And the next one, and we have no idea what the budget scenario will be, is Stingray Rob. Um, And the reason why we now believe that that's where Stingray is at, because we think he has some budget, is that the 26th of the 27 seats was confirmed last week. And I got this one wrong. You asked me, who do you think it is? And I said, well, I'm going to guess it's probably not Augustine Canapino. Uh, Even though he does have the Argentinian connection, if it was going to be him, they'd probably already have done that. He's 33 years old. He's a touring car driver. I don't know, Um, but it it's happened and fantastic for them. It helps. I'm sure Ricardo Junco's back at home. Uh, I I hope that he can acclimate quickly. I do think it's going to be tough sledding, making the adjustment to IndyCar for Canapino at this point, but, I don't think there are a lot of big budget options there as well. And this was probably the opportunity to combine some things. So this is fantastic. There's a second car on the grid full time. The sport continues to grow and Ricardo Hinkos, Hunkos team continues to grow and you got a new market that has a driver that they can root for.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think uh, it just kind of goes all together in, in a nice package for, for Ricardo Hunkos and Hunkos Hollinger racing. I, I think he, it would be natural to have some concerns about Augustine's uh, ability to compete at this level. This is a big, it appears to be at least a big step up uh from where he has been. And we know the, the quality of, of this field in particular, and it, it only seems to get better as, as literally every team in the paddock as as we know, gets better and better and better. You know, we're going to Talk to Larry Foyt and, and the Foyt team has made, uh, big, big gains during the offseason, which I think we'll hear from Larry and, and we'll ask him about that. But so is Errol McLaren SP Andretti Autosports building a new facility. Ray Hall's just moved into a new facility and they, everybody's up their game. And so, and, and that didn't even begin to, to address trying to compete with Team Penske and Chip Ganassi Racing. So, and the Ed Carpenters of the world, they're, they're obviously uh, you know, ready to punch punch at a higher level in twenty twenty-three. So, yeah, and I'm probably forgetting a team. Meyer Shank racing is gonna be better than 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 it showed in, in 2022. So, you know, everybody has gotten better and uh it's
0: gonna be tough sledding. Uh I hope it goes great for Canapino. And and back to the original term. He he is a good race car driver. He was very successful in what he was doing, and a good race car driver can transfer so it's just an unknown i have no idea at this point and it may turn out that he's really solid and we'll soon find out david Malsher lopez at uh, motorsport.com is the dale coin whisperer he has the best access to dale in the media and he had the uh a recent story from what a couple of days ago that it looks like it's going to be stingray rob joining dale coin racing he tested there recently Looks like he was second quick of the five or six young drivers behind only Robert Schwartzman, who's an F2 race winner. And he was pretty close to that. So, uh, Dale in the quotes to David said that he was impressive and, you know, hopes to have something done in the next week or so. And then I got a question today on Twitter from. Patrick Stank is saying, I noticed that the IndyCar logo has been removed from Rick Ware's Twitter bio and webpage. Have you heard of this partnership with Dale Coyne ending? And I said, you know, I noticed in that story with David, Dale Coyne mentioned that the partnership with HMD continues, but he didn't mention Rick Ware racing. So I thought, you know what? I could email somebody today and ask, but it's not critical that we break this story. And my guess would also be, If they're continuing or if they're not continuing, they would prefer to make that announcement when the driver, presumably Stingray Rob, is announced within the next week or so. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give Karina a break today. I'm not going to ask that question. And then uh, Patrick uh, did write back later and said... Rick Ware Racing added IndyCar back on their Twitter bio. So maybe there was a little falling out for a while or just a snafu. So, so who knows? But that's just something to watch. And I thought that was a, an interesting catch. And we'll see if anything comes from that. Wanted to touch on the Chili Bowl. Logan CV won over the weekend in a Kevin Swindell owned car. Really cool for Kevin Swindell. If you follow short track racing, sustained back and neck injuries, uh, at Knoxville what, seven or eight years ago or something like that, and he's a multi-time winner at the at the Chili Bowl as well, and now wins it as a car owner. A local young man, Emerson Axum, finished fifth. I'm going to say Emerson is 18, 19. He raced quarter midgets. He was a year or two behind Jackson. We've known them, so congrats to them. Super scary moment, but apparently the, the young fella making his midget debut, Ashton Torgerson, that came out of the car. We don't know what happened came and did an interview the next night and and looked to be okay. And then we were talking with uh, Dylan Welch last week, and I asked him about his teammate from Abacus Racing, Daniel Whitley. Daniel made some headlines, too. He made it up to something like the B, but then caught on fire. And best advertising you could do for henchman racewear and a, a smart young man when he got interviewed after he climbed out of the fiery mass, thanked the safety crew for getting him out so quickly and basically said, hey, you need to be wearing a henchman because I felt nothing out of this. So uh I'm going to say he's got a henchman deal moving forward. So happy to see that Daniel is okay out of that. So that, that was uh, fun stuff for the weekend. And the racing season is off and rolling. We are off and rolling. And
2: the thermal test will be here before we know it. And then uh, shortly thereafter, some racing. But we've pretty much got all the seats c- uh, confirmed, except for the one you've referred to with Dale Coin Racing and – We'll see how that shakes out in the next few days.
0: I need to ask my driver to tweet something. I was going to get him on the show tonight, but we're busy. But uh, Jackson Lee has driven the thermal course, so he can probably give us a little bit of a taste. He posted something on Instagram yesterday of, of his onboard in a GT3 car. Um, it's cool news that he is. We talked about development drivers. He's now a development driver for Cusick Motorsports. Anders Krohn kind of helped us with that connection, works with Don, and we're kind of working commercially on some shared partnerships as well. So we'll talk more about that down the road. But I was at Thermal uh last week. Oh, it is awesome. It is really a, a cool venue, and we'll speak more about that and have Jackson kind of talk about the track in a coming program. But we're set to talk to Larry Foyt coming up next. Stay with us. It's Trackside, ninety three five one zero seven five. the fan.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Hi, this is Mark Erickson and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: Thanks for staying with us. Trackside continues 93.5 and 107.5. The fan in Indianapolis as we move closer to the start of IndyCar season. The president of A.J. Foyt Racing, Larry Foyt, joins us now. He's raced in the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500, not on the same day, but that's still a pretty exclusive wrist, uh list. So, Larry, I guess we'll just start with the Kyle Larson news from from last week before we get to your team. What's your reaction to see someone that's planning on doing the double again?
1: Oh, well, I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, he, he's such a good driver, and I think his skills in, in an Indy car are going to be fun to watch. It's something that I know people have been talking about for a while, trying to get him in the Indy 500. And I just remember what a great job Kurt Busch did, too. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. you know, those are some, some talented race drivers, and it'll be great to have him in the 500.
0: All right, let's get to your team now and one of your new drivers. I guess he could be an option down the road to do that because Santino Ferrucci certainly has NASCAR experience from the last couple of years. Complete reshuffle. Your veteran is 23 years old, but this will be his sixth season, some of it partial in IndyCar. Uh, And then your rookie is Benjamin Peterson in the number four car. Let's first talk about Santino, what you see with him joining your program for this year.
1: Well, we're excited to have Santino. He brings a, a lot of energy. And, um, you know, you say, what do you see? And I think definitely you, you know, when all of us look at drivers, you got to use the eye test as well. And one of the things you just see with Santino is he races hard on Sunday and he tends to to go forward and go to the front. And that's what was exciting for us. I mean, you know, he's never been finished out of the top 10 in the Indy 500, which is obviously an important race for us. And um, no, I mean, it's uh, we're, we're excited of what he brings to the table. And he definitely, uh, I think, has more experience in his age, and, and he's motivated. So, uh, no, I think he's going to be a, a good little leader for us.
2: From an experience standpoint, Kevin just mentioned he's 23 years old, and, and you've got Peterson, who's not driven an Indy car, uh, at certainly at the Indy 500. But uh, in terms of his experience, how do you feel about being so young in, in your driver group?
1: Well, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be fine because we've added some good leadership around the team for him, and that's what will really help them. Uh, and, and like I said, I mean Santino, he's he's got quite a quite a few miles under him. So uh, even for the young age, I think he's matured a lot being out of IndyCar for for a little bit. I think that was uh, something that made him have to think about okay, you know, how do I commit myself to this and make sure I, I can get back in the series. And, and I mean, through my first meetings with him, I was just, uh, his enthusiasm, the will he's got. I mean, this is, this is what he wants to do. And, um, he, you know, I think he's, I think he's going to be just fine and he's going to help Benjamin. And, and we're excited about Benjamin. He's one of the, being a young guy though we spent a lot of time together last year, he kind of shadowed with us all year while he was doing his indie lights campaign. And uh, the kid's just got a really good head on his shoulders. It's it's a multi-year deal. We're not pushing him to go out there next year and try to try to light everything on fire. I mean, we want him to to learn and uh, learn from his teammate and just learn IndyCar. And uh, I think uh, he's he's a really good kid, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do.
2: So Larry Fort joins us. Uh, your your race team has probably, at least from our fa- vantage point, has added as much. Uh, to the infrastructure as any team in the in the list, and you re- you referenced it. Let's talk about kind of that support system that you've added. Uh, Michael Cannon is is kind of the biggest name out there, but you've done a lot around uh the backbone of your your race team.
1: Sure, I mean, IndyCar is is crazy right now, as as many businesses I think in the in the world are, and just uh, it's a people game and trying to get people and good people and keep people uh, is, is difficult right now for, for all the teams, but uh, it, it's just amazing the growth that we're having and trying to get the mechanics and engineers to to keep these things going is certainly a challenge, but uh, I feel like we had a great off season. Adding Michael Cannon for us is huge. It's a great get. Um, you know, he, he's just his experience level and knowledge is going to be fantastic. I think, I think it'll immediately show benefits to the group and um, kept a lot of our good young guys that, that he's going to be uh, that'll be working under him uh, Craig Brooks coming over uh, to kind of steer the ship he's a, a great guy and a lot of racing experience um, been around indie cars and, and indie lights and the autonomous program so no we feel like it, it's a lot of great additions and Still, man, it's a tough field when you've got McLaren growing. We know what Penske and Ganassi can do and Andretti. It's just there really aren't any small teams anymore. It's, the, the landscape of IndyCar has certainly changed uh, since I started, for sure.
0: And that'll take us to the next question. You know, the program clearly hasn't been where you would like it to be. Over the last years, so you can get better and and I'm sure you have gotten better in these years. But the problem is everybody else is also always moving forward. How do you take the next step in terms of competition?
1: Well, I think last year there were plenty of races where we had speed, but you had a rookie driver and we just had, unfortunately, a lot of accidents and just way too many accidents and you know we've been scrambling a little bit on the financial side since the the ABC supply you know when it was such a great partnership but as that's gone down to Indy 500 only uh, it certainly left us as covid hit and with everything happening we've been scrambling a little bit and um but we're we're working on that we do still have some fantastic partners who have kicked in to help help us get a guy like Mike Cannon and and get these drivers. And so, uh, you know, Sexton, Marlene Sexton out of Indianapolis, Sexton Properties has been amazing for us. And so I think now what we have to do is just start to work on our consistency and getting these guys. And You don't want to have these big shakeups every year. I mean, the the teams that really show – Well, year after year, I think you see the consistency of the guys Mm -hmm. uh, at, like, say, Dixon and guys like that. So I I think uh, for us now, we're putting together a good group if we can keep some of this group together and now just start working on consistency and building on some of that speed we showed last year.
0: Ethan via Twitter wants us to ask, can you ask Larry about a potential fourth car for the 500, please? That'll lead me to a preface question. I don't think you have a third car for the 500, do you? You
1: made my heart jump there a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I mean, right now the the plan is just to stay at two. Uh, we, we don't even, we don't have a plan to run a third at the moment. So um, uh, it, it, it's kind of I don't know. We, we really enjoyed working with JR Hildebrand. He did a super job for us, but right now, uh, the ABC uh, sponsorship is slotted to go on the 14 car there at Indy. So it would be with Ferrucci and we would not run a third car at the moment. So barring, barring some major sponsors stepping up and, uh, and wanting the full season, I, I think the plan would be just to stay at two.
2: So Larry Foyt joins us. You're down there in Hockley, Texas tonight. We're up here in Indianapolis, which begs the question – how do you? How are you dividing work these days between the two locations that you have for your race team? One in Indianapolis, one in Texas.
1: Yeah, it's it's busy, but uh, you know we've got we've got a lot of people up in India, and so it it's, it pretty much can handle itself. I mean, uh, with Craig Brooks up there, all the engineering is up there. The only thing we really do in Texas anymore is is uh, assemble the fourteen car base. Basically, so the fourteen mechanics are down here. Most of my time nowadays is spent on the financial side. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, you know, I'm I'm working on raising money the majority of the time, and um, and working with our partners and things of that nature. So, yeah, I spoke to the guys. What uh, yesterday up there? I think y'all got some snow. So I was happy to be in Texas uh, where it was <laughs> seventy degrees.
2: Hey, it was fifty here today in Indy. We don't have snow.
0: It it, it did snow a little bit yesterday, though, so I would always vote for Houston this time of year or that area compared to Indianapolis, but this is where you want to be in May, and that's where you will be. Larry Floyd is the president of A.J. Floyd Racing. They have two brand-new drivers, young drivers, long-term plans for Santino Ferrucci and Benjamin Peterson, and we'll see them on track coming up in in just a few weeks at the thermal test and then opening up early March in St. Pete. Larry, it's good to chat with you. We'll see you at the racetrack soon.
1: Hey, great to chat with you guys and looking forward to it. And uh, I can't wait to get this season going. That's going to be exciting.
0: Thank you. All right, we'll see what we missed in any other news and your tweets coming up. Trackside 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
2: Hi, this is Will Power, and you're listening to Trackside.
0: Okay, final segment uh, and some news. Uh, this dropped, I'm going to say, about an hour ago, 50 minutes ago, about the time that the show started. Just see this in a quick check. Uh, unfortunately, Will Power is not going to make his Rolex 24 debut. But beyond that, the news is more concerning to those of us that know Will and his, his wife, Liz, Um David Malsher-Lopez, Motorsport.com, had the story. He literally wrote the book on willpower a few years ago. Power has decided to pull out of the GTD uh, Sun Energy One Mercedes with Kenny Haboul to stay home with Liz, who's had some health issues here recently. She spent more than a week in the hospital, including two days in ICU and underwent back surgery, so he said, the quote was, it's unfortunate timing, but after what Liz has been through and is still going through my place at her side, and until she can recover full mobility. I've kept Kenny informed of the situation, and I can tell you he's been absolutely supportive and totally understanding about the situation. He agrees I need to be there for Liz. Uh, so good for willpower and best wishes. We think the world of Liz and Will as well. So we're hoping for a real quick recovery for her and hope to see her at St. Pete when the season starts. Uh, one of the things I neglected to mention, remember last week I, I teased about this time, Hey, Jimmy Johnson says he's got an announcement tomorrow. I suspect it's about NASCAR, but you never know. Well, it turns out he's telling us there's still a chance at the Indy 500, but the announcement was to announce that he's going to be in the number 84 car in the Daytona 500, reverse of 48. Carvana is the sponsor, and they rebranded Petty GMS, which he is is now a co-owner in. It's now Legacy Motor Club. But then through this availability, he also mentioned Jenna Fryer of the Associated Press had the tweets. He said the Indy 500 is still in play at this point, and CGR is awaiting decision from him because of engine allocation. Johnson says he can run a Honda, even though he is the co-owner of a NASCAR program. Uh, he also said he's still working on his races, but the all-star race in North Wilkesboro remains high on the list, and he acknowledged that is a conflict. With the Indy 500. So even with the Sato news today, there's probably still a path for Jimmy in a fifth Ganassi car. Um, And that's, I think, a scenario where Honda would do 18. If they decline, would they allow Dale Coin Racing to run a third car and be the 18th Honda? That we shall see. We'll get into what's left for the Indy 500. But the way I think I have it is 31 are confirmed now. The fourth Ray Hall would be a 32nd. A second Dry and Reinbold would be a 33rd. And then that fifth Ganassi or a third coin would be 34. And unfortunately, I don't think I see any others. So I think the number is 33 or 34. That's all for us. Out of time. We'll try again next week. Remember, Monday night next week, again, 8 until 9 p.m. Then I think we're back to two hour shows for most of the next little while but monday night at eight thanks to larry foy for joining us for kurt cavin josh Mullenix back in the studio i'm kevin lee podcast up in a little bit even if you listen live hey download it for us give it a like do something like that that helps out things thanks for listening to 93.5 and 107.5 the fan